Mask Radio Influence. Podcasting redefined. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. We are so happy, as always, that you are here to listen to this thing we call a podcast. And glad to be back. And we have a, what I think will be entertaining as hell show for you. And it's somebody that I've been wanting to get on this podcast since day one. And because of his schedule in Major League Baseball, uh, it is hard to schedule a time. So he had a couple of months off and we scheduled it. And uh, we're going to talk about his career, both in baseball and in WCW and the XWF, a little bit in TNA. And uh, getting to be friendly and being a character of his favorite band since the age of five. And that would be Kiss. No need to put our conversation off. I've waited long enough, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, please welcome the Kiss Demon, Dale Torborg. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this week on City Ringside, we welcome Dale Torborg, formerly known as the Kiss Demon. Uh, Dale has been on my bucket list of people that I wanted to talk to since I started this podcast, but because of the fact that he works for a Major League Baseball franchise organization and travels probably more than the WWE guys do, uh, uh, it's been tough, but he has a couple of months off, so we were able to get him on. I think he has a cool story to tell, so please welcome Dale Torborg. Welcome to City Ringside. Awesome. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for being here. So before we get into the, uh, professional wrestling, you grew up, most people know, but some don't, I guess. Your dad, uh, Jeff, was a, a baseball uh, player and a, and a manager of several teams. Uh, how was how it like as, as, a, as a huge um, uh, Tampa Bay Rays fan, how was it, uh, it growing up the son of a, of a manager? Oh, man, it was awesome. Now, you know, I, my major growing up years, basically 7 to 17, um, were done in New Jersey. My dad was a coach for 10 years with the Yankees. Uh, so uh, being able to hang out and do that kind of thing, even you know, with him being a coach, he was a bullpen coach, he was a first base coach, a pitching coach, all through those 10 years. And he was under you know, the likes of Billy Martin. And you know, just for me, basically growing up in the clubhouse and you know, running around playing running bases underneath old Yankee Stadium with Ken Griffey Jr. and Don Baylor's kids and Nettles' kids. And, you know, we used to have a blast, uh, all of us running around uh, the stadium. So, you know, being able to um, do that as your summer vacation, uh, you know, that, that's priceless. And, and uh, you know, I knew back then how cool it was. And, you know, it was it was normal for me, and I know it wasn't normal for other kids. But you know, to be able to bring my friends there and and to be able to hang out in old Yankee Stadium and and the history behind that stadium in general, I mean, it it, it was an awesome childhood. So you know, I, I uh, shoot, I would not trade it for the world. I mean, uh, you, you know, the experiences I got to have. Uh, you know, Don Mattingly was one of my idols, and to be able to. Um, you know, be able to hang out with him and, and talk with him and pick his brain. And, you know, he worked with me on first base stuff. I was a first baseman. 
I mean, like that, like I said, all those those memories are priceless. I even ended up on one of the 1987 Fleer limited edition Don Mattingly baseball card. I'm in the background as the Bat Boy in Boston, um, and you know, walking through a, a you know a store and seeing your picture on your idols, you know, baseball cards. You know, it doesn't get much cooler than that. No, you could do your own podcast, man, with all this stuff. This is amazing. Uh, and if, uh, just, just wait. Just wait. Depending on the, the question you, you asked me, I could go on forever, so you might have to cut me off. Yeah. No, but it, it's come full circle. Now I realize, uh, I knew, you know, we've never really talked about your background. When you were a kid, I did, didn't realize that you were running around uh, with some of the legends of the game uh, uh, when they're kids. And now I know a light bulb just went off in my head why you get along so well with my Mike Tanay and Don West, because they get to live vicariously <laughs> through your stories. That's true. Very true. So w- were you a wrestling fan at all, or were you, was it just baseball, baseball, baseball? No, I was, I, you know, I was a fan. I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't say I was a, a diehard fan, but uh, one of my buddies, uh, my my best friend growing up, uh, a kid named Brian Martin, uh, his dad was a huge uh, wrestling fan. So whenever I was over their house, you know, I'm, I'm watching wrestling with them, which really got me, you know, hooked on, you know, Saturday mornings. That was the cool thing was to, you know, sit there at, at his house and watch uh, wrestling. I remember, you know, Tony Atlas and Mil Mascarissa, those guys were, I mean, they were kind of burned into my, my brain. I even remember Tiger Mask, you know, some of those guys uh, just, you know, and, and I'll go back and make this a, a you know, circle back around to why this is kind of a cool deal. Of like I said, these some of these guys that I, I watched in the very beginning um, of kind of getting into into wrestling, you know, and then it you know kind of morphed into the WWF era. And um, I remember watching at one point. I, I kind of you know as I got a little bit older and. Um, you know, eighth grade, maybe freshman and going into high school, I didn't really watch it that often. And then I remember watching the ultimate warrior and I remember sitting there watching the physique on that guy. And I'm like, man, that is impressive. And that's really what got me kickstarted and wanting to work out and get bigger and stronger. But one cool thing is when I first started in the business, um, one of my first matches that I had was with the AWF. And the AWF, um, if you remember, it was kind of a fledgling group that was getting started. And um, it had some big-time guys, though, the Road Warriors, uh, Cowboy Bob Orton, uh, Coco Beware, um, you know, all those guys from back in the day. And sure enough, one of the guys on the show, you know, I walk into the locker room, and, and one of the first guys I see is Tony Atlas. And sitting oh wow, going, okay, he was one of the first guys. I ever saw on TV, and now uh, I'm on, you know, one of the same. I'm on the same uh, program as he is. That was that was kind of a cool experience. Did he ask if he could walk on you with your with his bare feet? No, no, he didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're one of the lucky ones. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
you mentioned the AWF. I remember they did syndicated television. Um, mm-hmm. uh, how did you get involved in, in professional wrestling? You know, obviously you have a baseball background, um, I, as I understand it, and I could be wrong because the Internet, you know, isn't always right. Uh, you had an a injury that uh, got you out of baseball. And uh, so how, how did you turn that into professional wrestling? Well, you know, the, the injury, I, I had a couple back to back years, almost, almost from one year to the next on the same day. It was end of July, both years, uh, had a throw into the runner, uh, actually before my senior year of college at Northwestern. Um, it was in a summer wood bat league in New Jersey and a guy threw uh, a bunt, a uh, third baseman threw the, threw it into the, you know, uh, as being a first baseman, he threw it down. Uh, as the runner was coming and I jumped, tried to quick tag him and the way my arm went to tag him and he ducked his head, hit the back of my wrist and snapped my arm backwards, which uh, broke my humor, snapped it with a spiral fracture. So my elbow wasn't even attached anymore. And that, ah. was, kind of, that, that was kind of sick. But, you know, um, it, I ended up walking off the field, holding my arm, went right to, you know, the emergency room, got it fixed. They actually had to re-break it after it was set wrong, that that was also fun. But I ended up coming back, having a real good year uh, at Northwestern my senior, even even with uh, that fracture. Um, but like I said, being a Northwestern graduate, my college roommate was playing uh, football for the Northwestern team, and he was on that 95 Rose Bowl team. And so because of him being on that team, I ended up, flying out to L.A. from Florida, out of Tampa. I was flying out to L.A. for the Rose Bowl. We were going to spend New Year's Eve on Sunset Strip, the whole nine yards. Well, as I got to the counter in Tampa, the guy standing right next to me uh, was this blonde-haired, big six 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 seven blonde-haired guy named Hulk Hogan. And, I've, I've uh, heard, I've heard of him. Over. You've heard it, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know he's, he's the, kind, the, the kind name, of famous in yeah, that world. The name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. So I, I looked over and my thought was, holy crap, that's Hulk Hogan. And uh, I didn't say anything to him and, you know, just went our, we kind of went our way. And then he was behind me on the tram. He was in front of me at the x-ray, you know, going through the x-ray machine. Yeah. We ended up uh, both actually running into each other, getting a magazine for the flight. And we started talking. Um, I introduced myself, and I said, you know, we have a mutual friend. And he said, you know, who's that? And I said, uh, George Steinbrenner. And ah. I've known George Steinbrenner since I was a kid. You know, like I said, for 7 to 17, my dad was a coach with the Yankees. Steinbrenner was great, really, really great to me as a kid. And it, to my brothers as well. He was, you know, fantastic. So, you know, we were talking uh, quite a bit um, about George Steinbrenner and, uh, you know, how big a wrestling fan he was. And, and uh, you know, Hulk was saying, oh, yeah, I do these events with him for Christmas and that kind of thing. So we were just talking, and, and he actually asked me, he said, so, you know, you're, you're a baseball player, huh? And I said, yeah, I'm a minor league player. You know, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing this because at that point I'd already gotten hit, uh, which messed up my depth perception. I tried to keep playing. Uh, I was, you know, I was actually with the Mets when I got hit. I got traded to the Yankees. Um, so, you know, my with my depth perception being thrown off like it was, 
um, I wasn't getting any better. And, you know, my average, basically somebody tied a rock to my average and threw it in the water and my average just kept sinking. And so I knew I was, you know, my minor league days, my, you know, all the, the dreams I had of playing major league baseball were literally going down the tubes. So I knew I wasn't long for the minor league lifestyle. And, and so, uh, Hulk was talking to me about, well, you, you know, you have the size obviously and the athleticism if you're a baseball player, but you ever, ever thought about wrestling. And, you know, I said, you know, it was kind of a, my teammates would joke with me, like, man, your, your personality being a Kiss fan and you're a little off center and, you know, you, you would be a good wrestler, you know, and we, so it was, that's where it kind of was left because I didn't know any wrestling people. I didn't know any wrestlers had no idea how you would even get started. It was just something that I saw on TV. Um, but when we got to, when Hulk and I got to LA, um, he introduced me, he was picking up Randy Savage in baggage claim. And so he goes, Hey, come meet Randy. I'll introduce you to Randy. So when I got there, I said something, uh, you know, Hulk introduced us to this. So this is a friend of mine, Dale Torborg. And, Randy actually said Torborg and you know, in that gravelly voice, he goes, is your dad Jeff? And I was like, the first thing that popped in my head was like, Oh my God, that's his real voice. Like I always thought that was a put on. Oh no. And, <laughs> yeah. no. I don't know if it no, was his real it. voice, but that's how he talked all the time. Oh man. So he, he literally started talking about how he was a minor league baseball player. He was a catcher. That's right. Um, and we just started talking about baseball, and he said that he was actually a big fan of my dad's because of my dad being a catcher. And then he asked the same thing. He goes, you ever thought about wrestling? And and that's what really got the ball rolling for me. Then I ended up getting uh, two trainers, um, and unfortunately, uh, one just passed away, and it was you know heartbreaking to, to see the news. But Jim the Anvil Neidhart was... Uh, one of my trainers with uh, Terry Shapinsky, also known as the Warlord. And so I had uh, two very stiff, uh, very rough <laughs> workers that taught me uh, the ropes. And they literally, uh, Neidhart, to be honest with you, beat the crap out of me for about three days straight. Uh, gave me sh uh, 30 shoulder tackles the first day that I was in the ring. And... You know, now I understood why he was wanted to see if I was going to come back. And I came back the next day, the next day, the next day, and continued. And so that's how I got started. It was in Land Lakes. It was in Jim Neidhart's backyard is where we trained with scorpions that would be on the, in, on the ring mat when you landed and snakes, you know, slithering under the ring. Uh, so it was interesting to be training. I think that was in the summer of 96 to be trained outside in the, in the heat of Florida. Um, it was crazy, but you know what? It's part of what I did to pay my dues, uh, to learn, you know, how to, how to wrestle, how to be a professional, you know, how to go about my business. And then from there, I went on a tour of India with, um, uh, oh man, a whole bunch of guys, warlord and, uh, Marty Janetti and Bertha Fay, and you know it was a, it was a, actually a really cool experience to go over there. I wrestled uh, you know two three weeks over in India, and then I came back. And uh, because of the um, AWF match, this is the interesting thing: is that that was supposed to be a dark match, 
that I did. I was doing a baseball character, which you might remember. I did uh, just for a couple times before I did the demon character. I did an MVP baseball character with face paint, and uh, it was based on the movie The, the uh, Warriors. Right. Um, so that when I did that dark match, that's all it was supposed to be. And a buddy of mine called me and said, "Hey, man, I just saw you on TV." I go, "What are you? What are you talking about? You saw me on TV. What was I doing?" And he's like, "Wrestling." The MVP, the baseball dude, you, you beat that guy, Barry the Kid. And I'm like, how did you see that? And he said, oh, it was on such and such channel. And sure enough, they did a replay and I and it was on. So I was able to old VHS tape it. And, um, you know, uh, it was it was my first <laughs> realizing how the business was going to work. Um, they never paid me for it. But then they called me and told me, we're taking your character. Oh, lovely. And I said, what do you, yeah, well, I go, what, what do you mean you're taking my character? Yeah, we, you know, how long have you been working? I said, I've only been trained two months at this point. And they said, yeah, we're going to take that baseball character. We're going to put it on two guys uh, that are, you know, seasoned wrestlers. And I, 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 I can't remember one. I think what they said was Matt Bloom. And the other one was Steve Kern. I think those were the two guys that they were going to put it on. And I said, well, no, you're not. And they said, yeah, yeah, we are. And I said, well, it, how are you going to do that? Well, we, you know, we aired the episode, so we own the character. I said, that's funny because uh, I own it. And there was silence on the other end. What do you mean you own it? And I said, I own the character. I said, I had the makeup trademark. Uh, I had the name trademark, and I had the likeness, everything done through Metallica's lawyers. I said, if you'd like to reach my lawyer, she's out in uh, out in L.A., and if you want to you deal with her, you're more than welcome to, but you're not touching that character. And the reason why I had it done is because Warlord told me. He said, you better get this done because they will, somebody will try to steal this from you. Trust me. And sure enough, so that was the beginning of going, wow, this is... Uh, this might be a rough business with them already trying to do this to me. Yeah, it wouldn't have lasted long anyway. But uh, as as history tells it, but that that I thought you were just bluffing them about uh, when you first started telling the story about having a trademark. Good on you, and good on uh, Warlord for smarting you up on that. Uh, oh yeah, my my, my buddies uh, managed the Metallica. They're you know out of New York and. They got me in with the trademark. It cost me, you know, quite a bit of money to do it. But, you know, I owned that for years. And the minute that, I mean, I think within a month of me, you know, I was like, I'm not going to ever use this trademark anymore. As soon as I let it go, um, the other MVP picked it up. You know, the WWE and, they, and MVP uh, for, for them, he, uh, he picked it up and I actually talked to him about it, told him how I had owned that for years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Small world. So, but he never did the baseball gimmick. He just picked up the name, right? Right, right. It was just the MVP name. So how did you, uh, make your way to WCW? Uh, you, you had a couple of, uh, 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 good connections, I guess, and Randy Savage and Hulk, did they help you or did you get in a different way? Uh, I got in a different way. Um, basically the, the, um, my memory serves me right. I, I want to say I went to one of the shows after I came back from India, 
uh, it was good because I got experience over in India, um, which was, in, you know, really important for me to, to get that experience. Um, when I came back, I had gone to one of the WCW. I had gone to uh, a WWE show, or back then a WWF show in Tampa, and talked to uh, Vince briefly, really, it was real brief, um, and they said somebody would get back to me. And then I went, I think it was in St. Pete that I went to the show in uh, a WCW show. And I ended up meeting um, Medusa, who actually introduced me to some of the people, Sonny Ono. And uh, I had some pictures of me as the MVP character. And she introduced me to JJ. And with JJ Dillon said, I showed him the picture and he goes, wait a minute. He goes, where have I seen this before? And I said, well, I did this AWF. He goes, yes, yes, this is where I've seen it. He goes, that was pretty good. How long have you been working? I said, well, at that point, I had only been trained two months and, you know, two or three days a week for two months. As you know, you're about as green as you can be. Right. And, and JJ was kind of puzzled. He said, wait a minute, when you did that TV show, you only wrestled for two months. I said, no, I was only trained for two months. That was my first match. <laughs> wow. And he goes, you're kidding. And I said, no, no, no. That was, that was really my first the first match I really ever had, I had, um, I had a singles match, uh, or a tag match first. I just didn't land a lake somewhere at a, you know, outdoor like picnic type of thing that, you know, took anything to get experience. And, but that was really my first singles match that I ever had. And, uh, and then I did a couple more actually for Johnny green, uh, in American Legion hall, uh, around the, Florida area, uh, Tampa area somewhere. And, uh, but yeah, that was the first time I'd actually had a real singles match was on that, that show that they aired. So JJ said, I I'm interested. What's your information, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I, I told him, he said, why don't you come down? We're doing a show. And, um, a, I think it was a Saturday night show in Palmetto. And so I went and met with, with him and a couple others and said, hey, listen, we want to we wanna give you a training deal. Are you interested in, in going and training? I said, yeah, I sure am. I said, I know that I've got a long way to go and a lot more to learn. I know that I'm nowhere near ready for any of this. And so they said, um, okay, what we want you to do first, we want to make sure that everything, you know, we can work with you. Come to the TV tapings, the worldwide tapings uh, in Orlando, and so I did, I went and I, and Prince Iakea and Alex, Alex Wright and, uh, and some, one other person, I think got me in the ring and, and kind of, we did, we didn't have full matches, but went through some moves and did that kind of thing. And they said, okay, we definitely want to have you come for a, a, a training deal. You're going to have to move to Atlanta. Are you up for uh, all this? And I said, absolutely. And they, you know, gave me the, the paperwork, that kind of thing. And, and I was off, uh, want to say maybe April of 97 is when I went to the, the power plant and, and started with WCW. I'm just curious, and you may not remember this, but is the show that you were at in St. Pete, was that the one where uh, the Booker Man thing with Pillman, where Pillman uh, started the angle, where I respect you, Booker Man, with Kevin Sullivan? Uh, I don't remember that, but I was... Uh, 
I don't remember Pillman being there. I thought, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was already. I, th- I want to say this was early '97. Oh um, yeah, I, I think I think he would have been with the WWE at that point. Yeah, that was the. I just there's. I, I'll never forget that because uh, that show was in St. Pete at the the Bayfront Center, but it must have been a later one. So you go to the power plant and um, you meet Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, Dwayne Bruce. How did how did he compare to Nightheart and the Warlord? Uh, he, he, he was he was right up there with them. I mean, he was man. He was uh, he was something. Do you like, do you uh, like I mean, doing? Did, did you like doing squats? I, I didn't uh, like doing squats, but I sure got used to doing them. I, and I, <laughs> you know, it's one of the things that you know, you know, people really don't get. Um, you know, I, I got some grief at times over. Oh yeah, you you got a gig because your you know your dad was a baseball guy, and I said, I, yeah. I go, it's awful funny that every character that I tried to do didn't even use my name, and so I said that that's kind of interesting if you really want to play it in in those circles, and I said, you you realize that you know I I wrestled for five dollars, uh, and that didn't even cover my gas would drive eight hours one way, wrestle, turn around, drive eight hours home. Um, we would be at the power plant. We would, you know, unload the ring uh, from the shows, uh, take the, the canvas out and have those washed. We'd, you know, we ended up building the rings back in the facility, Un, you know, take the part, load them back in the truck. And, you know, so we had to, we had to learn how to do the turnbuckles. We had to learn how to build the rings. We did every squat you can possibly imagine. We did everything in an old, as you remember, an old warehouse of the original power plant was like an old carpet warehouse, which was really, you know, I don't want to be rude in terms of how it was done, but it was a dump. Sure. And we went through hell through all that stuff to make it. So, you know, some people think that you just automatically just jump to TV. No chance. I was down there for a good probably year before I even had sniffed getting anything. And, and we, we did the security guard stuff, took the bumps first as a security guys. I was a fake sting. You know, I, you know, remember getting kicked in the, in the groin on TV, somebody missed shot. And uh, when I was one of the face, fake stings in Tampa and you know, all the stuff you did, all of the stuff that people didn't want to do, to make it. And we, you know, we did it and we, you know, put our time and we paid our dues to make it. And unfortunately the very first time that I'm going to be on Monday nitro, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, I did a jump kick. We were, it, it was kind of a weird story because Chad fortune and I were doing the, the NASCAR stuff and they made us a tag team called the pit crew. We actually were tire carriers for NASCAR. We'd actually did the weekends, uh, you know, of, of running out and, and uh, changing tires and that whole thing. And then they were put us together as a tag team. We did some worldwide shows. And then they had us go to the United Center in Chicago. And um, they ended up asking, uh, looking for me. And they ended up finding me and said, you know, here, you're, you're on tonight. And I said, oh, well, where's Chad? And I said, no, just you. We just, we need a singles match. You're going to do it. And Terry Taylor said, do you have anything else you can wear besides that pit crew outfit? I said, no. I said, I didn't bring anything because that's what we were told to wear. And uh, 
So I ended up having a match with Kendall Windham, and I actually dislocated my knee that mm. night doing a jump kick. Uh, and it went in, I ended up winning the match, and then I was on the shelf for about seven months. And when I came back from that knee injury, the interesting thing was how weird things actually happened. I was supposed to go out and see Kiss's opening night of the Psycho Circus Tour uh, out in Dodger Stadium. And because I blew my knee out, uh, I, I didn't go. I ended up, you know, I was, I had tickets, everything, but I couldn't go. I couldn't fly because of, you know, having the knee surgery to fix. I had a, a dislocated knee, torn ACL, and torn meniscus all in one move. Um, they actually had to take part of my kneecap out, which broke in the match, but whatever. So I ended up having the surgery, missed the concert, and the day that I am cleared, the day I'm cleared, I go to the power plant and I kind of am being a little ginger on, on my feet, just kind of feeling things out in the ring without really going through anything. When the phone rang and you could hear back at, at the old power plant in that, you know, old carpet facility, that warehouse, you could hear the phone ring. If it rang in Jody Hamilton's office, everybody could hear it. Yep. You couldn't hear what was being said, but you heard it ring. And then Jody Hamilton over the loudspeaker said, uh, Dale, come to the front, please. I, I need to talk with you. So I went up and he said, hey, listen, that was Eric. Eric said uh, he wants to meet with you right now. So he goes, grab your stuff, go to the go to the office. Eric wants to meet with you. So I go down there and I, I meet with Eric and Eric says, what were you, uh, what were you thinking? I, were you worried that it was the end of the road? No, I don't think so. I, you know, I don't know what. I was thinking you, you just never, yes, I, you know, I don't know. I that's, that's the first time anyone's ever asked that. What I was thinking, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I just, okay. I went down there and he, uh, he said, listen, man, he goes, I, you're, I hear you're a kiss fan. And I said, Oh yeah. I said, I've been a kiss fan since the age of five. And, uh, he goes, listen, I know you've been cleared, uh, recently. I said, yeah, it was just cleared today. He goes, wait, just today you were cleared. And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, wow. Okay. Um, and this was on a Friday. And he said, uh, okay, well, we want you, have you heard that about uh, the possibility of that we were doing a kiss character? And I said, yeah. I, I said, there was rumor about it, but I, I said, I thought what well, the rumor was that it was the WWE thing. He goes, no. We have the rights to it. He goes, I negotiated the deal and we have the rights to it. Are you interested? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you better believe I'm interested in doing it. And he said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, you're going to leave tomorrow for St. Louis. We have a pay-per-view on Sunday uh, in, in St. Louis. And uh you need to be ready. And he goes, I know you just got cleared, but you need to be ready for it. I said, okay. And he goes, uh, is there someone you feel comfortable having a match with? And I said, yeah. I said, can I get Johnny Swinger? And he goes, call. He goes, yeah, that's fine. He goes, call him, set it up with, go out, talk to Janie, set it up. You, you know, your flights, everything be out there. So you're going to leave tomorrow. And then, um, you know, you'll, you'll do a dark match. I said, okay, that's awesome. So I, as I'm walking out of there, I set it up with Janie, and I call Swinger, and I said, hey, can you meet me at the power plant now? And I said, you're going to be wrestling me at the 
pay-per-view at a dark match. He goes, absolutely. So we rushed down to the power plant. And like I said, I hadn't done anything yet. I had been on the, uh, you know, literally six, seven months. I've been, you know, laid up. So I have, I literally have not done anything. And so we actually kind of talked through a match. And what I told him was, Hey, let's, let's lock up. And I said, I'm going to drop kick you as I'm gonna, we're going to lock up. I'm going to push you off and I'm going to drop kick you right away. And he goes, why would you do that? And I said, because I think my knee is going to go on a drop kick. If it's going to go at all, I said, let's not waste anybody's time. Let's see if it goes on the drop kick. And if it's fine, we finish. And so we set this match up and you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go to St. Louis the next day. Can't sleep as you can, you know, you can probably imagine that, you know, here I have an opportunity to do something with Kiss, my favorite band. You know, Gene Simmons was an idol of mine, and I'm going, oh, my God, I've never wanted anything more in my entire life, and I've never been as nervous <laughs> before that or since than I wow. was for that, that day because of wanting it so bad. And the interesting thing of how things seem to always kind of come full circle is that when I landed in St. Louis, uh, there was a girl at the, the rental counter and there was nobody helping her. And I asked her, I said, um, you know, are you okay? Do you need a ride? Because I recognized her from WCW TV. Um, and it ended up being that girl named Asia who I ended up marrying. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how I met her. At the at the yeah the Avis counter in St. Louis, getting ready for my dark match, and then I, I ended up going and having the dark match, and like I said, I was I was like I've never been that nervous before or since. But I, I the interesting thing is I'm you know I'm wearing a uh, the only thing that I had on it was remotely kissed was a is a Psycho Circus kiss shirt, and no one knew what the deal was of what was going on. And as I'm going through the curtain, I was already nervous enough. Eric grabs me by the arm and pulls me back before I could get through the curtain. He goes, hey, I want you to do Gene without doing Gene. And then pushes me out. And in my head, I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Do Gene without doing Gene? I don't understand. And I go, you know what? I can't worry about that right now. I, I don't really get it, but I'm just going to do my match and... You know, later on, I understood he wanted the essence of Gene without doing the tongue, but, you know, kind of getting the essence. Can I, could I portray the Gene demon type of character? Right. And so I go through the match and we finished the match and everything went well. I did the drop kick right from the start. My knee was fine. We did a, had a really good match. Swinger was, I mean, one of the true professionals in the business and he was great. He helped out, helped me out a ton. Uh, through the whole thing, we ended up finishing it. I go through the curtain, and Eric, this is the truth. Eric looks at me, and I, I said, "How was that?" And he goes, "You got another job you can go to?" No way. And I, yeah, and I said, um, "Oh, apparently, I, I I need to start looking for one." And he straight faced and goes, "No, no, no." He goes, "He goes, that was great." He goes, "You got it." He goes, "Meet me in my <laughs> meet me in the office um, on Thursday." We'll go. He goes. You're gonna go. You're gonna go to Cape Girardeau tomorrow. You're you're gonna do. Uh, you're gonna or on Tuesday. You'll you're gonna do a uh, one of go to go to Nitro tomorrow and and then you're gonna do a match on on Tuesday. And I said, okay, awesome. And he goes on Thursday. 
get with Janie, meet, or, or meet me in the office on Thursday. And so uh, I said, okay. He goes, or, or contact me, uh, i have you in the office on Thursday. Well, Thursday, not, I don't hear anything. I guess, she, I guess he had said Janie would contact you or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but I don't hear anything. So I end up, they have me going out to the Nitro Grill um, in Las Vegas when they did the opening. Uh, Glacier and myself and a, and a few others went out to the opening of the Nitro Grill. And I see Eric there. And I, I say, uh, do you still want to see me in your office? This was Thursday. I'd come and gone. I want to say sure. this was maybe on Saturday. I don't really remember the time frame. And he looked at me and he goes, no. And that was it. I didn't know what happened at that point. And what I found out later was um, they took – Andre had done test makeup. Andre Friedis, the AFX studios in Atlanta who made – the coffin made the costume, did the whole stuff, did everything for the demons. Right. He um, he took the pictures of myself, Brian Adams, and, and Chris Canyon, where the the three of us were the ones that were possibly going to do the demon character. And what he had told me is, so Gene looked at me and said, "This guy looks the most like me." He goes, "That's the one." And he goes, "But wait a minute." He goes, "Which one's the biggest?" And they said, and I guess Eric had said, well, this one, talking about Brian Adams. And what Gene said, he goes, I want, I want the biggest guy. Because he had seen uh, what Kane was doing over uh, in the WWE. And so um, that, Brian ended up getting it. And Brian called me, and I said, oh, man, that's awesome. Congratulations. I, you know, I was pretty much, uh, without using, meaning to do a pun, I was crushed, you know, but... Very good. Very good. Thank you. I was going to ask if you. My question was, were you crushed? And I didn't even put the two and two together. Wow. Very good. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. I was. But Brian Adams, as you know, was one of the nicest. Yes, he was. God bless him. And just a sweetheart of a man. And and um, you know, he ended up. He was the one who called me. So they did the. He did the appearance out in Vegas. And I tried to help him with the mannerisms and all. I was out in Vegas for that when Kiss did the premiere and everything with, with um, you know, when they did the casket and everything came out when Kiss did the song, which is still interesting. And I, I'm pretty sure, and you could tell me too, I'm pretty sure that Kiss went on after the main event, after Sting and Hogan, they went on afterwards. And I think on the after the 11 o'clock hour, you remember when we used to go over? Sure. And because I think people were telling me they, they missed the, the Kiss thing because they thought the show was over. And so Kiss had, a, at that point, with that segment, I guess, was the lowest rated in WCW history. And I think a lot had to do with the timing of, I mean, to me, I, you know, you would do the debut of the Demon character before you do a main event of Sting and Hogan. You can't get much... I mean, in the wrestling world, that's that's the pinnacle. You know, you want to you want to see Sting Hogan. So I think the timing of it. I mean, it was like the perfect storm of not really putting that Kiss character and everything in a good light, and then obviously, uh, you know, that it didn't go as well as they wanted to. And then Brian was the one. He did two appearances. He did that one. He did the one in Nassau Coliseum, and he never wrestled in character because after the Nassau Coliseum one, he said, uh, he, he called me and said, listen, WCW is going to call you 
He goes, you should have gotten it to begin with. I told them you should have gotten it to begin with. Um, and so, and they did. JJ called me and asked if I wanted to do it. In the meantime, I had been just started doing the MVP baseball character, which I worked hard to try to get that going. And uh, so we stopped that uh, immediately, and I shifted into the character. And I knew... I knew I was in a disadvantage from the very beginning. People want to say, oh, the, the character, you know, wasn't good and this, that, and the other thing, whatever. The character was one of the coolest things. I love doing it. I don't care what anybody says about it. It was an awesome character. It was a dream come true to represent Kiss. I still look at them when they come into concerts, see those guys on stage with that face paint on, and know that I was one of the few people ever licensed to wear that, and that was a huge honor for me to represent them, to wear that makeup, the iconic makeup, and again, I don't care what anybody says about that character. There were reasons why it didn't work, and I, I you know, if it had been pushed even slightly, it would have been a huge success, but I loved doing it, bottom line. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the character. Anybody that's a rock and roll fan, it's a, it was a super cool character. Like you said, it was just sort of an uh, uh, unfortunate series of events that uh, had to do with with uh, the the ratings being low. And that might have also had to do not only with the fact that Hulk and Sting was over, but also on the other channel, they could have had uh, WWE Raw. They could have had, like, the Rock and Stone Cold on the on – the, uh, on the you know after eleven o'clock run, so you could have had the double demon, pardon the pun, uh, of 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 having a concert after a main event on a wrestling show, which like I agree with you doesn't make sense, and also having a stiff competition uh, on the other channel. But um, but yeah, I don't. I are there people that have said that the gimmick sucked because the gimmick was great? Oh yeah, I mean I. I... I was kind of the perfect storm of hate on the internet because of, you know, the, the, you know, the fan base of the two, uh, you know, how wrestling fans could be online and, and, you know, kiss fans that are, you know, very vocal as well. And, and I don't blame the kiss fans for not understanding what was going on with it. I remember getting ripped on there saying, Oh, you suck. You picked bad partners. You did this and that, you know, and it's like, wow, you know, they, People take this seriously, and I, you know, and they didn't understand what was going on behind the scenes. Because one of the one of the problems with what was going on is that you know when uh, Eric was blamed for for the you know signing the deal, there were so many you know misconceptions. There were so many you know people think through one way this they were paid this much, and this was going on, and this and then a lot. I saw the contract, and it's not true. You know, there was, you know, they, but Eric, when uh, I was told they wanted to make Eric look bad for signing the deal with Kiss, they beat me in my debut match. I mean, they had had Terry Funk beat me on my debut match, and they said, listen, you know, we're, you're going to help us out by doing this character. We're going to push you in something else later for you doing the favor for us. And I was the one who said, no, let me. You know, let me do this. I can, I can get this over. I promise you, I can get this over. And even when they were beating me, I the the crowd was still cheering. Man, you were in the ring. You you heard it. Even they were still cheering me even when I was losing. And you know, I went through a couple really bad things that didn't that really you know hurt the character. I, I ended up, um, I think it was Nassau Coliseum. I wrestled Booker 
gee, we had an eight-minute match planned. And uh, Flair went over on his promo, I think, by seven minutes. And our match was, I get out in the ring, and um, uh, the referee, I'm not sure who it was, I don't know, Mickey J, said, you know, gave me the go-home cue, and I was the only one in the ring. <laughs> and I looked at him like, and I go, what? And he goes, when Booker gets in here, jump start it and go. Jump start and go. Go, go home. We're, we're, we, we can't go over. And I, I jump started and Booker under, you know, no one can see it, but he, he goes, what the hell are you doing? I said, go home, go home. And boy, we, we had to go. And it was a minute. I got beaten in a minute. And that really was a downfall. It really made the turn for me for the worse after that. That was, you know, the, the fans, you know, it was tough. It was really tough for fans. One minute I was a baby face. Next minute I was a heel. I was getting beaten, and then I might get a win. And then uh, it was interesting because there was a turn, and Jimmy Hart deserves a lot of credit for it. When Jimmy took over the Saturday night show, we loved it. If you ever ask any of the young talent um, back then about the Saturday night show, Jimmy was incredible. If Jimmy was allowed to keep doing it, the Saturday night show really started to take off. And that's yep. where a lot of the young talent got to learn the Chuck Palumbo's and, and, um, Mark Jindrak and, and Mike Sanders and, and kid Romeo, all of us, a lot of the power plant guys were getting a chance on that Saturday night show when, yeah. and when Jimmy was booking. I don't know and if you remember, character. I don't know if you, he, he did love the character. I don't know if you remember, but that was actually Jimmy and Arn and Tony Schiavone and myself. They actually let me, I actually stopped bring announcing Saturday night so I could work the gorilla position and, and help with the creative in the back. And uh, that was the, some of the funnest times in my career because I felt like I was, you know, doing more than just going out and announcing. I was actually creating stuff that was getting popular. I know a lot of the young guys loved it. I know the Benoits and the Malenkos loved it uh and um and like you said you're 100 percent uh right the ratings started getting a little too close to the 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 thunders and the nitros where all the big stars were so uh they uh they pulled back on that and and jimmy still tells the story jimmy still tells the story about how uh you know he knew it was doom when when our numbers started going up and you know i think it went the last show that we ever did uh we got like a 2.8 and Thunder had gotten like a 2.9 with Hall and Nash and, and Brett and, and, and the whole, you know, the whole crew, Luger. And, uh, and that was the beginning. He looked at me, he goes, it's over, Penzer. He said, uh, we, we're, 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 we're getting too popular. But uh, glad to know that you remember that. That was some of the funnest times in my career as well. Oh, you and me both, bro. That that was really. I didn't know you were behind some of the creative stuff. I know I did not know that, and that is that is awesome. And that was that was the best time for me. You know, we had you had all the young talent looking forward to that. Whatever we taped on a Wednesday, right? We used to tape every other Wednesday. Every other Wednesday, yes. That. Yes, yeah. every other Wednesday. And I'm telling you, guys loved it. Knowing we were going to work twice, you know that we taped what for four hours and. We were going to work twice. It was awesome. We had so much fun on those shows, and you guys really changed uh, the trajectory of some careers uh, because of that. And that was that was a that was a great time. And that's when you know people started to look at the character mine a little different. Of kind of going, man, maybe maybe we're making a mistake on this. Maybe we should try to push this. And then you know, I got a 
I got a win over Vampiro on Monday Nitro, and I started doing more matches with... Um, uh, oh, by the way, this is the interesting thing. What I was telling you about me having a match with Booker T, the interesting deal on that whole thing, I wasn't even supposed to be on that show, which really kind of because of getting beaten in a minute, um, I wasn't even supposed to be there. I mean, I was there as an extra guy, but I wasn't, I wasn't booked on that show. Uh, something happened and Scott Hall couldn't make it. And so I filled in for him that night. Uh-huh. And because uh, I remember his name was scratched out and mine was written in on my sheet. And so, uh, I mean, it's just kind of crazy how that works. But yeah, they, they ended up starting to push my character. They, you know, had me in the program with Vampiro, who I thought was awesome. We, I loved working with Vamp. And then I started working with Sting. And of course, I mean, the icon of icons of, you know, working with Sting, who was incredible. Uh, we just, you know, it was, it was amazing getting a chance to get, and it ended up doing a main event with him in Evansville, Indiana, I think. And, and, um, you know, that things started to change, uh, for me at that point. And there was so much stuff that people don't get behind the scenes that is, you know, I had Gene Simmons, uh, the reason, part of the reason that the character wasn't going to be pushed is because of a, uh, merchandising deal that they thought was too one-sided uh, for, for Gene. And I talked to Gene about it. I, in, in Tampa, backstage with Gene and Paul in Tampa, explained to them why uh, they're not pushing me is because of the deal. And Gene flat out said, bro, have them call, have their people call me. We'll change it. Do I don't really care. I want to make sure you, you, you get, you know, get over, get a chance to get, your push and all that stuff, I'll change the deal. WCW never called, never called him to change the deal. They just kind of, I think they were intimidated by his lawyers and they never called to change the deal, but he was willing to change the deal to make sure that, you know, ensure that the character would succeed. But that was one of the reasons why Brian didn't want to do it and that he was out because he wasn't getting any merchandising money. And I never got any, we never made anything, so no T-shirts, no nothing was ever made. That's why this is interesting that the action figure just came out uh, during the summer, finally got done. The deal was, was in, you know, finally got done because it was never done uh, because of the merchandising deal. The deal never got done with Toy Biz back in the day. It's funny. I was uh, I sold a few things on uh, on eBay uh, recently. Uh, Sonny Ono and me were were texting back and forth, and he's like, "I found like a you know I came home and my wife had three boxes of stuff to tell me to take me to the Salvation Army, and I'm looking at it, and it's all WCW stuff." He said, "So I put a bunch of it on eBay at my office," and he said he said put like ten things on eBay, and the next day it made like seven hundred bucks, and so I was I was thinking, all right, well you know uh uh what the heck i'll try it so uh when i was looking through some of the stuff to uh to 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 put on ebay i found the only kiss i don't even know if you know that this exists it was the kiss shirt from the nitro in vegas where they performed yeah and 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 i got it and uh 
So I kind of put that one back, and I, uh, uh, I'm i not letting that one go unless I get a pretty penny for it. But, um, uh, cause, but yeah, you know, I, going back to what you said, I didn't even, you know, you know you, you're so involved in the wrestling side, or we were, I didn't even think about the fact that there's so many dedicated KISS fans that probably were disappointed or, you know, because to, to a KISS, to a, a serious KISS fan, your character should have been pushed to the moon. And for yeah, whatever sure reason, and, and and to a serious wrestling fan, if you're if that character was pushed to the moon too quickly, they probably would have turned on it. So it's sort of a, you couldn't win for losing type of scenario. They had to sort of slow build you, and uh, you know just because you know to to earn the respect of the wrestling fans and. And and the, the Kiss fans were pissed off about that, I'm sure. So I didn't even think about that whole. It, it's just a. It was a. It's it's just a symptom of what at that time was, as you know, a crazy uh, a crazy uh, company that gone wild, so to speak. Um, what was the idea behind the Kiss New Year's Eve pay per view? I don't know if some people know that they were going to do that, and uh, and and uh, did that. Uh, I've heard two stories. I heard that I don't know if you know the answer. I've heard that that went away because um, Eric got fired and they they started to kill the Kiss deal. And I've also heard that that had nothing to do with it and that it went away because the crew basically said they weren't going to work New Year's Eve. Do you know? You know, I, I I've heard both, and I I, I think it was because of of Eric uh, being let go that everything kind of fell apart. But that, I mean, that would have been awesome. You know, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, as we talk about this, you know, it's, again, the, the kind of the pattern for what we've talked about today is how things come full circle is that I just did uh, Spooky Empire, uh, an autograph signing in, in Orlando uh, this past weekend, or the uh, two weekends ago. And all the KISS fans and, and seeing Peter Chris there, it was great to... to reconnect with him and talk with him and um you know i talked with his wife and the first time we had met is when i learned how to breathe fire uh with gene and his uh his assistant spiro taught me in the bathroom of jones beach uh how to breathe fire for to make sure i could do it and i think it was richmond uh i mean some crazy stuff but it comes it's, it's weird how things do come full circle so that you know, I was. We had these uh, limited edition Spooky Empire demon figures, and and the Kiss fans were loving them, and you know, getting a chance to talk to them. There, you know, they were asking questions, and since Peter was there, there were a lot of Kiss fans, and you know, they loved the figure, and and it's just kind of interesting how that was. Uh, you know, at the time, the reunion tour and farewell tour was going on, and you know, Kiss was so popular, and here we're we're talking about the, them going on tour, the end of the road, and. <laughs> My action figure comes out, and last weekend I'm in in full demon regalia again. It was it was kind of crazy to to kind of go back to that. We we talked a little bit about the negatives being caught in the middle of uh, you know Eric getting let go and 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 po- people pointing the finger, and so you sort of got uh, uh, thrown under the bus for that. But I'm sure as a longtime Kiss fan, the positive that came out of that was getting to know the guys. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Oh man, I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's, I'm actually going to see Ace, um, I'm taking my brother to go see Ace, uh, in, uh, Melbourne, uh, this weekend, so, uh, on Saturday, Ace is going to be playing in Melbourne, so I'm taking my brother to go see him, and, um, 
you know, it, it just getting to know, you know, I, I, out of all the guys, Gene and Paul, I know the best. And, you know, here it is. I, you know, I was a Kiss fan, age of five on, a huge Kiss fan. And, you know, my baseball career ends. And, and this character, it literally, it, all my world kind of collided at one moment. So, again, no matter how anything is looked at, it, if it's negative or not, it was, it was an unbelievable experience to begin with. But then, like you said, to get to know these guys on a personal level. Gene Simmons has been so gracious with me. Anything that I've needed over the years, the longest it's ever taken him to get back to me is 15 minutes. I mean, wow. he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. And I will tell you that, you know, getting to know Paul Stanley, Paul Stanley is one of the nicest, just genuine, down-to-earth people. Uh, I have nothing but great things to say about that man. This, you know, he, if he comes into town, um, he'll text me and invite myself and my daughter and my wife to, you know, to dinner. We go to dinner with him and just sit and talk about things. And he, he is, you know, been so great with my daughter thinks the world of him you know, it was his birthday, and I texted him a birthday card for my daughter, and he's like, oh, tell Sierra, thank you, and, you know, just just a humble, down-to-earth, I mean, this is one of the greatest rock stars, the greatest frontman of all time, and he just is a terrific human being, and that being, you know, getting to know that side of him and getting to know these guys, I mean, that is, that is a special thing, and, and you know, no matter what, this has been an unbelievable ride because of WCW and getting that, you know, that contract with WCW. And, you know, I can thank Eric Bischoff for, and J.J. Dillon for signing me. My whole life changed if you really think about how, you know, I, I met my wife. If, if it's not for, you know, Kevin Nash training at the same gym with Christy, bringing her in and, and you know, the whole WCW world, you know, I don't have, I'm not married to her. I don't have my daughter. And then, you know, I, I'm introduced to the kiss world and, you know, they've had, you know, let me into their family. Uh, you know, the kiss family, you know, that is, you, you can't ever put a price on that. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. It's it's why I like doing this podcast because on the surface you'd look at the whole situation and say a lot went wrong. But as you're as you're talking about right now, while some did go wrong, a lot went right. You met your wife, you had your daughter, you got to know the you know your favorite band. Uh, to this day, you know they have an action figure out, and 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 you know, like you said, Gene Simmons is just a phone call away. He's one of the smartest businessmen. I think probably I think that people I think because of his uh, rock and roll gimmick. I don't. I don't think people realize we dealt with him a little bit when when we were do, doing uh, the XWF and we we were going to use your character. I'm actually looking at my XWF poster in my office and your characters between Big Vito and uh, Norman Smiley. Uh, with <laughs> that was, uh, hey, that that, X, that XWF man. Honestly, you guys did an amazing job, and it should have should have done great things. That was a cool show. And yeah. and if anybody could get their hands on those the DVDs or whatever, man, you and Nobs and all those guys, that was an awesome time too. And the talent we had was sick. Yeah. And you think about 
who we had, man. That was awesome. Well, the first three episodic shows are on YouTube, but the the, the last two have seemed to disappear, and nobody could find them. Um, and I, I, it kind of sucks because I was involved in the booking of it, and I don't remember how the book we, – we did five episodics, and I don't remember, like, how the booking ended. I don't remember at one point, did Kurt turn on Buff? Did Buff turn on Kurt? And, and, and I – they're, 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 the last two episodes are nowhere to be found, so I don't even remember how how we left it. Not that it matters. I was just curious. But uh, but what I was saying is getting to talk to Gene a little bit and 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 you know deal with him a little bit through you and the XWF. I I, I don't I, 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 unless you really have read his story. I don't think that people realize that this guy not only is an iconic uh, performer in the music industry, he's one of the smartest businessmen that, you know, might've ever come along. Oh, you got that right. I mean, this, this guy is, is unbelievable. You ever literally sit down and talk to him? I, 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 I won't tell you what he told me, but I, I asked advice from him one time and it was the exact opposite of what I would ever expect him to say and it made all the sense in the world where you go oh my god like that is unbelievable and i keep that to myself because it was you know a very cool thing for me to be able to hear that from him about advice yeah he's a so, like I said, one of the one of the smartest ones, and you know, people joke about him having their own uh, caskets and stuff. But they, you know, they, they're involved in everything. And God bless them, you know. If, if you live and die with Kiss, then you live and die with Kiss. Uh, and 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 you know, the guy they get to, to to create revenue off of that. And you know, that they were probably ahead of their time, and he was ahead of his time probably in getting involved in pro wrestling. But uh, oh, absolutely, he was. He, you know, he was a. What people didn't realize is he was a big fan of wrestling growing up. And, you know, this is this is a cool thing. Just a, a side note of, you know, rock stars and being wrestling fans and all that. You know, I, I uh, like I said, I did Spooky Empire and, you know, Mick Foley and I were next to each other. And then across the way was Phil Anselmo from Pantera. And you should have heard Phil talking about, he's the lead singer of Pantera. Right. About how... Mid-South, he was talking about with Mick and me about Mid-South wrestling and that, you know, this and that. And he is a huge fan and just a really cool guy. And, you know, we talked, you know, all three days at Spooky Empire and, you know, I had no idea he was such a big wrestling fan from years back. Gene grew up in the Bronx, correct? Uh, Queens, I think, in, in New York City, and uh, I know he was a big fan. And a uh, funny story that has nothing to do with anything. But when I was uh, a teenager, my um, my uh, brother's best friend's mother uh, dated Gene Simmons in high school, uh, wherever in in New York City, and so they went to the. It was their. Uh, they had taken off the makeup for a while and it was their first tour back with the makeup on and um vinnie vincent was with them and i'll tell you why i'll never forget it uh because he was ribbing the hell out of vinnie vincent in front of us but uh so my brother couldn't go and uh, they had backstage passes and and so i went instead of my brother with his best friend and the mother and the father and 
Gene Simmons, I mean, just an ex-girlfriend. You know, the guy's like, you know, one of the most famous guys on the planet, gazillionaire, uh, even at the time. And he was the nicest guy. I've, you know, I'm just a high school kid and, and, and some old girlfriend. And he was the nicest guy. He took us back in the dressing room. He was ribbing Vin- Vinnie Vincent about what he was wearing and stuff. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, he really, I mean, I'll never, you know, even if I had never got involved in the wrestling business, I'd still have that positive, um, positive memory. And you know, he didn't have to take a, an ex girlfriend from when he was fifteen, you know, back into the dressing room. And, and most people wouldn't, quite frankly, uh, but he did. And 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 he's just a, a gem of a guy. Hey, so you got That's back. Awesome. You got back in the baseball business. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk that, about that in a second, but. Uh, after you did, you and A.J. Pruszynski did a couple of things uh, with TNA. Now, I got uh, – it's funny. I w- didn't grow up a baseball fan. Um, actually, when I was young, my dad used to take me to uh, – down in Fort Lauderdale where we lived, he used to take me to uh, spring training because they played in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, I'll never forget, I uh, was at a Yankee-Mets pre-spring uh, training game and uh, I got somehow got a baseball sound by signed by Yogi Berra, who at the time was the uh, manager of the Mets, and Ralph Hawk, who was the manager. Your dad might even worked under Ralph Hawk, did he? I don't think so. I don't think he did. It was the manager of the Yankees, and God, if I could only find that baseball, it might even be worth something now. But um, and then I I got out of baseball. You know, I never really. I was I was a horrible athlete. You know, my dad uh, coached little league, and you know, I'd come to the uh, plate, and they'd go, "Oh my God, the manager's son." You know, duh, he can't. You know, he sucks. You know, so uh, that, that, I, I did it, and that's that's a true story. Me and my dad still laugh about it to this day. Oh, you could hear the murmurs out of the manager's son. He can't hit, and I couldn't, and um. So you'll remember this. I, I, I think you were there. Uh, Knobs uh, Legends of Wrestling did a, uh, mm-hmm. a live show, uh, a Legends of Wrestling night in 2008 with the Tampa Bay Rays. And I think you, we were playing. I don't know if you were with the White Sox at the time, but Przinsky was. And I think he did an angle at the end. But um, but there's I, with me. I can't. Yeah. I came out. I was it was it was uh, buff. Steiner and me versus uh, the Nasty Boys, and they had Gomes. Uh, oh, that's Johnny right, Gomes. Johnny Gomes in the yeah. corner. Yeah, what yeah, crazy! And I remember Nobs, Nobs threw one of those metal garbage cans out of the ring and threw it right off my shoulder. So, so I, I that was the year the race started. Ended up going to the World Series, and and so I became a a, a baseball fan, a fair weather fan, uh, just because I got the opportunity to be behind the scenes, and 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 then I, I so I started watching, you know, to say, hey, this team looks like they're pretty good, and now I'm like the one of the biggest Rays fan in the world, and 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 I got to know AJ a little bit, uh, you know, back at the bar and, and after the TNA tapings when I was ring announcing there, and he was the Nice, he was a nice guy, you know, loved wrestling business. And then as I become more of a baseball fan, so I kind of went backwards. Uh, Brzezinski come in, in the baseball world is known as like this asshole. And, and you know, everybody say, ah, that guy's an asshole. He says, you know, nobody likes him. And, and I don't know how much of a gimmick, quote unquote, that is. Or, and, uh, but, and I would be like, no, he's the coolest guy in the world, man. He's a huge wrestling fan. And, you know, so uh, talk about his. It's a, it's, I hate to ruin his, his, uh, his reputation, but it's, a, it, it's 
a lot of it's a gimmick. Good dude, the guy would give you the shirt off. Yeah, and I've said that he, very. He got he got, a, he got a lot of bad publicity over certain things in the past, and you know, and man, I I just I talked to him for about a half hour the other day, and you know, really good guy. The media kind of made him out to be the bad guy, and I actually ran with it. You know, when we did that TNA angle. I came up with that, and then uh, Vince Russo and I kind of worked on the, on what we were trying to do together. He and I would go over the storylines and everything. That original, like the original storyline that we did with uh, the Diamonds in the Rough, and then the next year we did it with like Eckstein, and I came up with ripping the you know the book was meant for charity. Eckstein's book was meant for charity, and you know I started ripping the the book in front of him uh, to make it so that one year we were the baby faces and to make sure everyone knew we were the heels the next year I ripped the book and that was all that all came from um, from me we actually had what's funny is I don't know if you remember this we had a, uh, a replica all-star trophy made um, the, the all-star game trophy uh, I think it was the all-star game or the MVP that World Series MVP for x time. And we had a, a, an exact, like, almost exact replica made, and I, I was going to smash it. And everyone's like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. That's that's going too far because, you know, we were just trying to make sure we were the heels. And then I go, all right, how about I just rip the pages out of the book right there? And that's how that's how we ended up doing that uh, that whole thing. But AJ's awesome. He's yeah, a, nice guy. He's a good dude, really I, good dude. I, I think you should have smashed the trophy, quite frankly. That's my two cents. Uh, well, the trophy, the trophy would have gotten more coverage. And if you remember those, uh, when we first started doing those TNA shows, those were the high at the point. At that point, it was the highest rated uh, shows TNA had. Yeah, sure. No, it was a huge deal. Uh, I know that um, Pat Kenny, Simon Diamond, we had him on early. That uh, we've been doing this podcast about. Uh, about 15 months, 16 months, and uh, we had him on early, and he said one of his greatest experiences in the wrestling business, if not his greatest, was to be able to do that angle because he's a huge, huge, huge baseball fan growing up and still is. So, uh, so oh, yeah. It was he, fun. They came out, man, they came out, and uh, Mike today and, and all those guys, uh, Saban, and, and they, they all – I came out to our complex in, in Tucson that year, and uh, Ozzy Gian hit Simon Diamond with a chair. And, you know, it was it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. That you know, we had some leeway, and the, the the thing that is a lot of people don't know is there was another one coming. We had another one, and if and it got it got ruined, and I and, you know I'm not going to get into all the details of why it did, but we had we would have had something really really cool. We had another angle. Uh, that Ken Griffey Jr. agreed to get in the ring wow. and be a tag team. Johnny Damon was going to get in the ring. By the way, another. Was, uh, by the way, another guy who's one of the nicest guys in the world. Although he's known as Johnny that. Is. He's known as that in Brzezinski, You know, known uh, differently. But both of those guys were super guys. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and we well we had another one. So, so we were going to do this whole tag match with. Um, I forget who my tag team partner was going to be, but AJ was going to be in our in my corner, um, and then it was Griffey. Was I, I'll have to look. I have the sheet somewhere. We had a whole thing, and it, 
uh, Ric Flair was going to be his tag partner, and I had I had somebody I don't remember exactly who. So Griffey Johnny was going to be involved. He was going to be in that corner, and he was going to do some moves. And we had this whole thing planned out. It was awesome. We had and it was we had one weekend that we could everybody could get together, and we we had it all planned. We had it all done. And you can ask if you ever talked to to Russo about it. We had it all done. And then there was going to be a surprise entrance. Uh, the the storyline about how it was the somebody was going to illegally, I was going to illegally pin somebody. And as I was, or I was about to illegally pin somebody, someone did a run in and hit me with a chair. Down I went. This person rolled me over, put my arm on whoever it was, and. And, uh, or Griffey, I think they were going to roll Griffey's arm on top of me in one, two, three. It was Alex Rodriguez. A Rod agreed to do it for nothing. Wow. Nothing. Everybody agreed to do it for nothing. And I said, you can't change the date. You cannot change the date. This is the only date that everybody can do this. And sure enough, TNA said, oh, we got to change the date. We're, we got something else we need to do. Oh, I bet Tanae was. Nope. I bet Tanae was a hot sob. Yep, and and I I said, well, that that why can't you move it? I said, no, I already told you so many times, you can't move this. This is we've got guys that are starting. This was right before the baseball season. I said, guys are getting ready for the season. Some are going out to Arizona. You know, I think Griffey was going out to his son's recruiting trip, and it was like terrible time like but we had one weekend you guys used to tape like on a friday saturday or something like that right. i forget exactly how you guys did it so we had one we were going to set the first day up and then have the pay-per-view the next and they tried to move it and it was done it was over at that point oh that would have been huge and today and don west oh. would have marked out so bad oh huge we had everybody this was this was unbelievable how we had this one written out. And I, I have the sheet I, of when I wrote it, and it, it would have been unbelievable. Yeah, not the only thing that TNA uh, dropped the ball on, but that's a whole different podcast for a whole different day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, so tell us about what you're doing now. All right, so I just literally started uh, a couple weeks ago. I started my... 16th year uh, with the White Sox. I am their strength and condi- conditioning coordinator, and um, you know it's it's an unbelievable job because of an just a first class, unreal, loyal, great organization. And you know I got to be a part in uh, you know in the big leagues with the 2005 World Championship team, as that's that's how that whole thing with TNA started. Um, and you know, I, I get to work with all the guys from, um, you know, we have a major league strength coach, uh, Alan Thomas, who is probably the best strength coach in the game. And I work with him with the big league guys. And then I work all the way down through the system, all the way to the rookie ball guys and the new draft picks. And I work with everybody. So I literally, I get to train every single player at some point during the season from, like I said, the big leagues all the way to the new draft picks. And you travel with the team during the season? I do not. I travel. uh, I'll go to Chicago at times. I will be in Charlotte, Winston-Salem, Kannapolis 
Birmingham, uh, Winston-Salem, uh, Great Falls, Arizona. Uh, I travel the, the whole loop of, uh, to see all the, all the different teams um, and work with each guy. So I do not travel with the big league team um, throughout the summer. I will be there, but I don't, I don't travel with them. And uh, how was, you know, not a lot of people, especially that, uh, you know, that I know, could say that they won a World Series. Uh, uh, how, how, how was that? That has to be unbelievable, huh? It was an amazing year. I mean, it just really was, um, it, was a, it was an unreal year because uh, there were some ups and downs because the Major League Strength Coach, Alan Thomas, like I was saying, got very sick uh, twice. Uh, with an infection, so I had to fill in for him uh, during that year a couple of times. So you know, I literally spent about half the year that year working with those guys in Chicago, and it was an unbelievable team, uh, great camaraderie, great chemistry. Um, you know, adding AJ Przinsky to the mix. I mean, that was a, a huge piece of the puzzle. And you know, you have a steady catcher, that left-handed catcher that could hit like he could, and he just was, I mean, very sturdy behind the plate, you know, never got hurt. Um, but it's just an unbelievable team uh, in, in general, Our, you know. And we went from being in first place, we won our first game, and we stayed in first place from the first game of the season to the last game of the season. We never dropped out of first place and then went 11-1 and in the playoffs. You talk about just unbelievable, uh, you know, I'm, I'm – you know, I have now. I have two World Series rings, and I want. I'm greedy. I want to. I want another one with the White Sox. And you know, we have uh, gone into a rebuilding phase a couple of years ago, and you know, we're taking our lumps. But I'll tell you what, we've got some unbelievable young talent. And once these guys mature and get to the big leagues and and uh, mature in the big leagues, we should be good for a long time, which is huge. And I'm. Really, really looking forward to winning another world championship there. Speaking of rebuilding, uh, I, I don't know how much time you get to follow other teams, but uh, any thoughts on the Rays sort of doing the same thing? You know, I, I haven't really had a chance to, to follow them. I know that they, you know, they, uh, they're they doing a very good job and they've always had really good talent. Um, so, you know, it, it's fun to see that young talent you know, mature and, and, you know, do what they can do in the big leagues. It's awesome to watch. Any opinion being old school, because uh, going back to your dad, any opinion on the opener role uh, in pitching that the Rays have implemented? The what now? The opener, where they they uh, they don't – their starting pitcher doesn't go in until, like, the second inning. Oh, oh, oh. You know, I don't know. There's a lot of – there's a lot of different uh, ideas going around, and uh, you know, there's a big push in analytics recently, and and you saw in the World Series and and the, the playoffs and everything about uh, you know the the pitching was kind of flipped upside down, and certain guys would you know you see Chris Sale coming out of the bullpen and to finish the World Series game, and you know, so it, it, it'll be interesting to see how all this goes, you know, because of. You know the shifts, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of it's moved into that analytic realm. So 
know, I think only time will tell. Yeah, the thought process, according to the race, because um, Dave, I don't know if you know Dave Wills. He's uh, one of the radio guys, voices of the race, and he's a friend of mine. But the thought process seems to be that um, that the third time through the batting order, the opponent's average uh, hitting uh, average go batting average goes up, and you're and the thought mm-hmm. process is that you're going to put like an eighth and a seventh, eighth and ninth guy inning guy anyway as closers. So why not put one of those guys to work the first inning and a half as an opener, then have to, so the starting pitcher doesn't have to go three times through the batting order, and you're sort of replacing the guy who would uh, pitch in the seventh with the guy who pitches in the first. I don't know. You, you, like I said, yeah, I'm a. Makes, fi- I mean- yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, all that stuff makes sense. And like I said, you know, only time will tell, I yeah. think, of, you know, when they going through all the numbers. I'm a Fairweather fan, so, you know, I don't have the history that, that you and guys like Mike and, and Simon Diamond, Pat Kenny, I know, you know, uh, you guys sit around naming baseball players from the 19, you know, 40s. You know, oh, who played second base for the uh, for the uh, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers in 19, you know, 27 and, and, and you know. They're they're way worse than me on that stuff. I'll tell you, they've got me beat on on you know all those stats and everything on different guys. I know they'll they'll start saying stuff, and it's just like, oh my god, okay. Yeah, they're they're an encyclopedia for sure. Um, hey, before I let you go, uh, I don't want to put you in an awkward position, but do you think this is really the last Kiss tour? Yes, I really do. I think. I, you know, I don't think the, the band is not ending. I think that's where there is some, um, you know, mis- the people I think are a little misguided in thinking this is it. When the last concert is over, Kiss is finished. That is not the case. It's the last time they're doing a world tour. It's yeah. the last time they're going to go on tour. Does not mean they won't have a one-off concert here. They won't have a one-off concert there. You know, it's 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 the last tour. It's the last time they are going to go around and see everybody. That doesn't mean to me. It doesn't even mean that they don't do a residency in in Las Vegas was, or something. I was just going to say. I was just going to say Vegas residency is what's next for sure. Yeah, well, they've done it. They they. I actually went out and saw them twice. I actually saw. Rick Cornell for the wrestling fans, Reno, uh, is still one of my really, really close friends. And we, I uh, took, uh, Rick and his wife to one of the kiss shows, uh, when they did it at, uh, at the hard rock, they did a residency, but that's what I mean. I think that's where there's a misconception is that it's, it's the end of the band. It's the end of the road. Uh, it's the end of touring, uh, for the band, you know, and, and they've talked about replacing, Gene and Paul have talked about replacing themselves at some point, you know, in a different Kiss 2.0 type of thing. But Kiss, as we know it, as as that band, will no longer, I really don't think they will tour anymore. But I do think you'll see them, you know, who's to say they won't do a show in L.A. or, or a concert in New York and, you know, a concert here, but, you know, and, and appearances, because the band itself will continue. It's just that touring part will be over i was going to ask you about that dave they've said the band could live forever uh, through the license yes. of the characters uh as a kiss fan do you is that something that you'd be in favor of well i mean it's it's oh it's going to be really really difficult to me to replace gene simmons and paul stanley i mean i i really i find that really hard to do is to to replace those guys they are 
some of the most iconic rock stars in the history of the world. I mean, unbelievable. So I think that would be difficult to, to replace them. I understand the theory of what they were saying. It's like a sports team, a baseball team. You're a fan of the Rays. You're, you know, and if you trade your center fielder tomorrow, you're still follow the Rays with a different center fielder. You know, it's like uh, you're still, and that's what they talk about. Kiss as a brand. Kiss as, as the, like when they say it's like a football team replace the members but I, I think it would be very difficult to replace those two so yeah, could it go on I'm sure it could but uh, you know I, I just don't think it would be anywhere near the same no you know you're not going to sell out you know uh, 20,000 seat uh, uh, place uh, arenas but I think the thought process is is when they finally do stop and go away and retire there's going to be always going to be uh, you know Kiss uh, tribute bands. There's always going to be Kiss tribute bands, and if you're going to have the tribute bands out there, you might as well license one that you put your stamp on that could go out as uh, you know Kiss, and and it's not it's never going to be the same without the guys. Uh, but but at least uh, you're, you're still and like I said, Gene's so such a smart guy. At least you're still you know creating that revenue from the brand that you created. So I I oh is, yeah, I'll tell you, there's there's one guy who could do Gene. For sure, is uh, Spiro. I don't know if you know anything about. It. He's the one that that uh, was there with, when Gene was teaching me. The two of them, Gene and Spiro, were teaching me. Spiro was in uh, one of the best. He's the best tribute band, Gene. He was actually on that '70s show as Gene. I mean, you talk about. He sings like him, talks like him, looks like him, has the tongue like him. I mean, this—that's the one guy I could see. And and if you have the existing members of Tommy and Eric, and then you replace, you know, uh, Gene, and then you if you have as long as you can have one member of the band, and then you know what I mean, and then finally replace, you know, I don't know who you'd get to replace Paul Stanley. I don't. I just, I yeah, just, that's. I don't, that's I don't sort of, see it. I just, I mean, that is, those are some huge shoes to fill. That's sort of tough. Yeah, you know, there's two schools of thought as a, as 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 music. Uh, I'm a music aficionado, especially classic rock. But there's schools, two schools of thought. Some people say it's not the real band unless it's all the original members. I go and see Journey, and and you know, it's not Steve Perry singing, but you know, it sounds like Steve Perry, and and the music sounds the same, and the band's still tight, and I'm I'm personally I'm good with that, and I get it. If people aren't, that's their, you know, that's their, their, it's, you know, they, everybody's able to choose in this country uh, how they feel about things. Hey, absolutely. Yeah. Last last thing, and thank you so much for your time. I've been wanting to. I just think yours is such a cool story, um, uh, you know, full circle story in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, uh, like you said, a lot of uh, a lot of potholes, but uh, you know, uh, you came out uh, uh, very successful at, 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 on the other side. So, uh, congratulations! Uh, how is it like for to be able to have you know have your daughter play with your action figure? That must be really cool. Uh, that was that was the, the biggest part for me. Was you know we let her you know we opened the box, let her open the box, and to see. You know uh, the action figure, and, and um, you know it, it was an awesome moment. That's that's what really made it all worth it. And then to see her friends kind of whisper something, and she says, "You know, my can can my friends have those?" 
And I'm like, can they, they have one each? And I'm like, absolutely. And that was, that was really cool for me to see that her friends, you know, wanted her, you know, her dad's action figure. So, you know, I signed, I signed the figures for them and, and, uh, they loved it. But that was, I mean, it was awesome just to, you know, to, to have that finally come out just in general was amazing. The, the guy that, um, you know, and this is another thing of how things come full circle is that when I was with the White Sox doing, uh, I wanted to do awards and this is kind of a cool thing cause you'll, you'll get a kick out of who I ran into. So, um, when I was, I was looking for awards to give for the hardest working guys in the strength and conditioning, the players that were the hardest workers in strength and conditioning, I wanted to do something. So the first time, first year I did it, I gave them, you know, just money that they wanted and it didn't, it didn't do it for me. I'm like, okay, I want to give them something. The next year I did uh, laser engraved baseball bat. That was cool. And then the third, I thought I was going to do something every year. I was going to do something different. So the third year, um, I thought of, hey, what if I get replica WWE or WCW belt? Championship and belts. What I'll do is, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll put the White Sox logo, the helmet logo. I'll repaint them and put that logo on them and give that as award. And guys absolutely ate it up. They loved it. They battled for it. They said, make sure you mark me down. I want to win the belt this year. <laughs> we had a guy who is now in the big leagues. Literally, when we presented it to him, cried and called his mom. And oh said, I told you I was going to win it, and I did. And he was in tears that he worked so hard. And he's been in the big leagues now for a long time, just a super kid. And and so it really meant a lot of, uh, to these guys. And then so I was getting the, the belt from Colin. You remember Colin from WCW, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so I was getting the belt from Colin. So I didn't know where they were coming from. So then this company out of Tampa gets the rights to do these kiss figures. And they asked me to, to kind of be a, a consultant on these kiss figures that they are going to start releasing. So then we're talking and, and uh, they said, uh, were you the one that was buying all those belts? And I go, you mean from Colin? He goes, and the guy goes, who all Anthony owns a company, figures toy company goes, yeah, well, Colin was getting them from us. <laughs> so every year we were getting this big order for the, from Colin for the White Sox. And I'm like, oh, my God, you've got to be kidding me. So we start talking, and I said, can you make me a belt that I can customize? Leave the center open so I can put, you know, some sort of logo on it. So we start working on a logo. We were working on the belts, right? So in the meantime, I'm helping them be a consultant on these figures. They're working on They come up with this belt. Then I start giving these custom belts away. And uh, I said, you know, hey, if you're going to do these kiss figures, you've got to get this guy, Danny, the Pharaoh. And he knows his name, Danny. Uh, and he, they get him to start doing the, the actual sculpting of the figures, uh, faces, and he's unbelievable, unbelievable. He actually is, the, uh, is in a band. He's a guitarist, too, uh, along with sculpting with Punky Meadows from Angel. And so he's doing all these figures, the Kiss figures. When they get the rights to do my figure, he ends up, the guy that I got to do the, the Kiss figures, ends up doing my figure and sculpts it like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it is exactly spot on me, and it was hand-sculpted. So that wow. kind of comes full circle, and the guy and his girlfriend, this guy Tanner, 
and his girlfriend Shannon, who I was with at Spooky Empire, were the ones that designed the belt that I ended up using for the White Sox. I mean, it, you talk about how it comes all full circle. Wow. Uh, well, yes. I'm, I'm looking at the action figure now. You go to figurestoycompany.com, and uh, it is detailed, as you know what, and uh, it's super cool. So uh, if you want one, and they also sell autograph ones for, I think it's only an extra 10 bucks. you get it, uh, one autographed by you. So figurestoycompany.com. So they're in Tampa, huh? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're, they're an awesome company. Yeah. They, so so am I. The rising stars. So am, so okay, am well, I. We got to work on that to get yeah. the, the Penzer figure. Hook, hook a brother up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll work on it. I'll work on it. My kids are too old to think it's cool, but uh, it's, it's, it's still. They're never too old to think it's cool. Trust me. We, uh, hey, well, you know, if we ever do them, we could give them out as prizes for trivia and stuff on the podcast. So, uh, you got you know, that maybe, right. maybe well, we we'll, could. We'll, We'll work on it, and that's right, what we can do is we'll work on it. All right, buddy. Hey, Dale, great talking to you. Congratulations on your success uh, and um, uh, and your family, and uh, you're one of the good ones uh, in the wrestling business and one of the good ones in life. So uh, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long – it wasn't as, it wasn't that bad, was it? No, it was, it was great. I just, <laughs> I just knew that, you know, it was tough for us to get a time, but I knew that you and – Myself getting together and reminiscing about the old WCW times, which was a great time. I knew that we needed some time and not just make this, uh, you know, a quick thing and see you later. Because, uh, you know, it was a, it was an awesome time and you were you were a part of that special time in my life. And, and uh, you know, I, I will never forget that, that time. And like I said, no matter anybody who's put a negative spin on WCW and or what we did, Man, that was it was an awesome, awesome time in life that everybody I think that was associated with WCW would go back in a heartbeat and do it all over again. Absolutely, and uh, and I've said this many times on different forums, but uh, time heals all wounds. So you know, I don't remember much of the the bad stuff, and uh, all the memories now are are the good memories that have have stayed with me. So uh, so great times. Hey, again, uh, thank you so much for telling your story on City Ringside. And uh, if you're ever in Tampa, uh, let me know. We'll get together and uh, and and we could uh, uh, have a drink on me. That, that sounds great, man. That was great talking with you, and, and sure. we definitely need to hook up. All right. Enjoy your time at home. I know it's precious, and uh, happy holidays, and uh, we'll, we'll stay in touch. Dale Torborg, ladies and gentlemen, figures, figurestoycompany.com. Check it out. It's an awesome, awesome action figure, and uh, uh, I think I'm going to get one. So uh, mark me down. Thanks, Dale. Thank you. I want to thank Dale Torborg. I had a blast, and uh, you never know. I might end up with an action figure out of it. Uh, stranger things have happened. It's, it's a strange world that we live in right now, and just when you think something's going one way, it's going the other. Hey, if I could have an action figure made and announced in Madison Square Garden in the same year, uh, that would be quite a year. We'll have to see how that happens. Hey, listen, uh, let me know what you think of the uh, – of our interview with Dale Torborg at David Penzer on Twitter, all one word, or at Penzer Ringside uh, is the show Twitter handle. Again, you can go to figurestoycompany.com uh, to see the 
Dale Torborg, Kiss Demon, Legends of Professional Wrestling action figure, and it is also sold on Amazon as well. So I want to thank Dale uh, for really uh, telling his story, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. So we thank you for listening. We're going to be striving as we do each and every week to put great guests on and have great conversation. And again, uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Be sure to tell your friends and neighbors uh, if you're on a site where you can leave feedback. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback, positive or negative. If you're not, uh, you can leave us feedback again on Twitter, as I said, at David Penzer. And uh, taped an episode of uh, Talk is Jericho. And uh, me and Chris had about an hour conversation telling a lot of cool stories. So we are going to uh, let you know when you can listen to that. And uh, so check out uh, this podcast and also Twitter. And uh, that should be a fun listen as well. Kind of turned the tables on me and uh, had a blast. And Chris is one of the most fun, creative guys in the history of the business. Congratulations on the success of his cruise. And I believe there will be a cruise number two. Uh, I don't have 100% knowledge of that, but I believe that is the plan. So until next time, I'm David Penzer, still City Ringside. Thank you. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at David Penzer. Also, make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. I'm Tracy Beans, host of the new podcast, Dark to Light with Frank and Beans on Radio Influence. It's a new show about politics, but not the way you're used to. What we talk about is actually true. And it's also stuff they don't want you to hear. So we bring it to you weekly. All the intrigue and spin and double talk spelled out for you right with my co-host Frank's special flavor of commentary. Don't miss him. He's an experience. So join us. Dark to Light with Frank and me, Tracy Beans, drops each Friday on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.